Good morning. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm the pastor here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website, www.myesbc.net. Of course, if you would like to visit us on a Sunday morning, you'll see that we have life group classes or Sunday school classes that start at 9 a.m. And our service starts every Sunday at 1010 a.m. Come by and see us. God bless you. And I hope that you are motivated to look more like Jesus through today's podcast. Oh, the difference one word makes. I, uh, after giving uh, the, the announcements and welcome, my, my wife, who just sang, by the way, she's good looking, isn't she? She's really, I did good on that one. Thank you for that. Uh, she comes up to me and she says, you just canceled all the services on Mother's Day. And I said, uh, did I really? And she said, yes, that was actually Tony Higginbotham's suggestion. Uh, it's uh, T. Higginbotham at mysbc.net. You can send all those emails to him. Uh, no, we will have clearly services on, on uh, Mother's Day. We are not having night services on Mother's Day. So please make a note of that, if you will. That would be very helpful. I, uh, I heard a story of a, a church member, a guy, a man, who got sideways with his pastor on Easter Sunday. A pastor had finished all the services, everything was done, and uh, as normal, the pastor was doing the typical grip and grin uh, outside uh, in the foyer, and this man uh, came, comes walking through, and the pastor grabs him up by the hand and looks at him real hard in the eye and says, son, you need to join the Lord's army. Just real serious. And the, the man kind of taken aback, and he says, well, well, preacher, I am a part of the Lord's arm, army. And the pastor said, well, son, if you're a part of the Lord's army, how, how is it that I only see you on Christmas and Easter? And he said, well, well, preacher, that's an easy answer. I'm in the secret service. So now if I were to do a poll and ask you to raise your hand, I would dare say that most every single one of you is in the Lord's army. And none of you, if you're sitting here today, are, are in the secret service. So you're, you're right out there on the forefront, on the, the front lines, and you're doing battle every day. Chances are you're living out your, your salvation through your witness. You're telling people about Jesus. And so I, I want to thank you for that. But, but I, I do want to ask you a really important question about your faith. And maybe you're coming to church every week, and maybe you're reading your Bible and you're praying. But there's one thing missing. There's one thing missing, and it's the joy Maybe you've just lost the joy of it all. Maybe you've been a Christian for so long and you've heard so many sermons and you've sung so many songs and you've served and you've done all these things so well, but at the end of the day, you put your head on the pillow at night and you think, you know, what difference is this faith that I have really making in my life? Where is my joy? So this morning, I want you to answer this question are you on fire or have you flamed out? 
Are you on fire or have you flamed out? Are you facing spiritual burnout in your life? I don't believe that that's what the Lord wants from you. I believe that he wants you to have joy in your life. And we'll talk about the difference here in just a moment between joy and happiness. There is a big difference between joy and happiness. So I'm not asking you whether or not you're happy right now. I'm asking whether or not you're joyful right now. And I believe that that's what God wants you to have. This morning, we're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 17 through 20. I want to give you a little bit of background and context to what we're reading. A few weeks ago, if you read the very front of Luke chapter 10, you'll, you'll remember that Jesus has sent out the 72. He sent them out two by two into the surrounding villages, into the surrounding cities, spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He, went, uh, he sent them all to the remote villages to preach his gospel. And remember that Jesus sent them out two by two. Uh, he commanded them to take nothing uh, with them for their journey. No uh, money, no bags, no uh, spare clothing. They were instructed to stay uh, only if the villagers would allow them to stay. Only if the villagers were going to be hospitable to them could they stay in that place sharing the message. And the disciples did as they were instructed, and during the, their departure in ministry, Jesus gives a, a warning to the cities uh, that would reject his message. Josh got that delightful piece of scripture last week. <laughs> he gave the warnings, the woes, if you will, to those cities. And so his, Jesus reveals that the rejection of his message carries with it some eternal consequences, a forever destination, if you will, that can't be undone. This morning, the followers and the disciples of Christ are now returning to Jesus with great news. Their mission, so far as they can see it, has been totally successful. Their message was received. Not only that, they saw the dark forces of Satan defeated. They were able to have power and control over demonic forces, over diseases, over illnesses. It was quite an experience for those disciples to see the, what the message of Christ can do in the lives of people that they shared it with. And this morning you'll discover that the disciples take a great deal of joy as they come back to Jesus. The scripture even tells us that. They returned to Jesus with joy in their hearts. And this morning, are you missing the joy that the disciples had? Are you wishing that you could go back to that time in your life, maybe when you were a child, when the message of Christ was fresh and new and something that, that really energized you and gave you focus and gave you meaning and gave you purpose? Are you wishing that you could go back to that time in your life because something is missing as you've gotten older? Well, this morning, let's learn from the disciples on how we can recapture that lost joy that some of us may be experiencing. So let's go to the scripture this morning, Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says this, the 72 returned with what? Joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing can hurt you. 
Nothing is going to hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So this morning, just a few very brief points. Where did the disciples' joy come from? Where did it emanate? Where did it begin? And the first, uh, the, the first Roman numeral here is this. It starts with a connection to Jesus. It starts with a connection to Jesus. By the way, have you ever met somebody that's not connected to Jesus? Of course you have. We were all there at one point in our life. At one point, can you remember a time in your life where you were not connected to Jesus and what your life was like before Jesus and then after Jesus. You might even be young enough in your faith to recall life with Christ and without Christ. You're young enough to remember what it was like when you were lost, you were in the dark, you were dead in your sin. You were physically alive on the outside, but spiritually dead on the inside. I've met lots and lots of people who are great people, good people, fun people to be around. They even have happiness, temporal happiness in their lives, but they lack the joy of knowing Christ. They just don't have it. Joy, if you want to write this down, joy only comes in knowing Jesus. It only comes from that one point. And so, again, I want to clear up a misconception. I suppose I should define Uh, for you what the meaning of joy is. Joy is not happiness, although the two can sometimes be intertwined with one another. Joy is a deeper, richer experience than happiness. Happiness is temporal. Happiness is often determined by your circumstances, your situations that you're in, the people that are surrounding you. We're happy when we get a new car, But the happiness fades when the car gets a ding. You know what I'm talking about? You're happy if you're like me, okay, I'm a gadgety kind of person. You're happy when you get the newest, latest, greatest electronic gadget. But that happiness fades the next year when now the newest, latest, greatest thing that you have is now antiquated and not the newest, latest, greatest. The happiness fades, Joy is different than happiness. Joy is eternal. It's not dependent at all on our circumstances. It's not dependent at all on the things that are going on around us or who is surrounding us. Joy is the precursor of peace and contentment. We can have joy in poverty. We can have joy in times of great despair. I've seen cancer patients, by the way, that are super close to death who are some of the most joyful people that I have ever been around. So where does that come from? Where does that joy come from? It comes from knowing Jesus and having a relationship with him. From knowing Jesus. The disciples were able to find joy because they retreated with Jesus and they returned to Jesus. They never lost their connection to Christ. And it was within that relationship, the context, the framework, that they were able to find joy. Notice that if your joy does not exist in your life, it's not because Jesus has departed. Rather, it's because you have left Christ. You have said, I'm going to chase after something else other than the one thing that gives me joy. And friends, we've all been there, even your preacher. We've all been there before. 
While I was in Alaska this past week, I had the opportunity to talk to a young man. His name was Alan. It was in the the hotel lobby. We were having breakfast, and there were all these teenagers running around. Alan's 16 years old. He's from Fairbanks, Alaska. I actually invited him to tune in this morning, so maybe, maybe he's watching us right now on YouTube. And as I sat down, Alan was here, and Angela was getting uh, breakfast for herself, and Bryant and Donna were milling around, and I, I struck up this conversation with him, and he looked really tired, which is not unusual. I have a teenager who lives in my house, and every time he wakes up in the morning, he's pretty tired too. So it didn't really, uh, didn't really signal anything to me, but we, we began to talk. He asked me where I was from, and I said Alabama, and immediately he kind of latched onto that. What is Alabama like? Well, friend, Alabama is the greatest place in the whole wide world is what I told him, said, you ought to come and visit sometime. And he was with this, this school group. They were at a debate competition that was taking place in Anchorage. And he asked me what I did, and I said, thank you, Lord. The door is open. I love that. What do you do? And I said, son, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a preacher, and we're here just fellowshipping and working with folks. And, and I said, do, do you, are you a religious person? Do you have a relationship with Christ? And he said, you know, Stuart, I I don't. I'm not a religious person, actually. And I said, well, are you an atheist? He said, no, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm an atheist, but I'm just not a religious person. Uh, My mom is a religious person, but I'm not. And I I said, okay. And he said, you know, one of the things I struggle with, and I asked him, I said, what do you struggle with as as a person who's not religious? Do you have struggles? I mean, what are the things you battle? And he said, you know what? He said, I've been diagnosed with insomnia. Young kid. And he said, you know, since I have been in Anchorage, and we've been here for a couple days, he goes, I haven't slept at all. He goes, I've just been sitting awake. And literally, as he said that, a teacher walked up to him and said, Alan, are you doing okay? I, I know you're not sleeping. So, I mean, this was confirmed by a teacher who came up and talked to him. And I said, well, Alan, you know, how do you handle stress? How do you handle, how, how do you handle problems in life if, if you don't have anywhere to go? And and, I, and he said, you know, Stuart, I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I just kind of deal with it. And I said, Alan, do you have a Bible? And he said, well, I don't, but my mother does. I was going to make sure we got him a Bible. But he said, my mom has them at the house. And I said, Alan, have you ever read the Bible? And he said, I've never picked up the Bible ever. C- can you see the problem that's happening here? Met a young man diagnosed with insomnia. Clearly there's no peace in his life. And he was missing joy. And the one thing that I told him, I said, Alan, I've got the answer for you, friend. And the answer is Jesus. Your answer is not medication. Your answer is not trying to get a softer pillow. Your answer is Jesus. And you can know Jesus if you pick up that Bible that's at your house. And so we traded emails back and forth, and, and I said, Alan, I'd love to continue this conversation. The, his teachers were coming in and sweeping all the kids out. And, and so I didn't really get to, to finish the conversation that I was having with him. But I, I met this guy, and there's so many people like him that are missing out on joy because they don't have Christ. Do you have Christ? Maybe you don't have joy, not because you've departed from Jesus, but because you've never known him. Friends, the first step to joy is connection to Jesus. There's no joy outside of Christ. In Luke chapter 8, a verse that we've already read, verse 13, listen to this. And the ones on the rock are those who, when hear the word, receive it with what? 
joy, right? They receive God's word with joy. But those who have no root, they believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. Oh, friends, Christ brings joy. So where do the disciples' joy come from? Connection with Jesus. Number two, the transmission of the gospel. They found joy in transmitting the gospel. When I read this piece of scripture, the disciples had turned themselves what I, into what I believe was a spiritual piece of electronic equipment. They had become radios. Now, the radio doesn't produce the message. It just conveys the message, right? When you turn on your car radio, the, the, the radio is not generating the message. It's taking a message that someone else generated, and it's playing it through your speakers, communicating to you and me so that we can hear it. Well, that's exactly what the disciples are. They are spiritual radios taking a message that does not belong to them, but they are communicating it out so people can hear it. So what sort of radio are you and what are you broadcasting? What signal are people hearing from your life? Is Christ's signal coming through clearly or is it muffled by distance and distraction? The disciples had returned to Jesus with some amazing news. They had gone into the villages and towns and they had spread the message of Christ everywhere they went. And, and just what was the good news? The good news is that Jesus is here. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, come to set the captive free. All that is necessary to know God is found in Jesus. That was the message. And when you know Jesus, it leads to repentance, it leads to fullness, it leads to wholeness. And the message that the disciples were delivering was life-changing and spiritually altering. And people would never be the same. The message that they had carried with this, uh, that they had carried with them, carried tremendous authority. The disciples saw with their very own eyes the power of the gospel of Christ. It had the power to change lives and set people free. Not only did it change others' lives, but it allowed the disciples to be a part of a larger story. They were now part of a bigger narrative, and they were part of an epic, if you will. And they were excited. The disciples were joyful, one, because the story was great. It is a great story. Great story. Better than any story that has ever been made or produced or placed on film or written in a book. The story of Jesus is the greatest story ever. And they got to be a part of it. Not only was the story of Christ grand and great, but the story of Christ and sharing it is also gratifying. You know that feeling where you get the pat on the back at work when you've done something really well? Or the, story, or the feeling when you get that grade and it's got A plus on it? That, that feeling of gratification like you've done something? That's what it feels like when you transmit the gospel. You are immediately and eternally gratified through that experience. If you are missing out today on joy and encouragement, maybe it's because you've left the connection that you once had with Jesus and you're not being obedient to sharing the message of the cross everywhere that you go. Friend, God wants to give you joy and encouragement, but it must be done in a certain way. It must take place in a certain way. After all, what's the statement that we all want to hear when when we die and we stand face to face with Jesus. Do you know what that statement is? I bet you do. 
Okay, I'll, I'll help you get it started. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we all want to line up and hear, right? That's what we want to hear. Matthew 25, verse 21 Jesus speaking, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little and I will set you over much. Enjoy and enter into the what? Joy of your master. Do you see that when you surround yourself with Jesus, you can't help but see the word joy? Read the Bibles. Read, read, read the, the Gospels, and I promise you, you'll see these words intertwined with one another. You'll see the word, the name of Jesus, and then you'll see the word joy very close by many, many times. Christians recall the joy of telling others about Jesus. Don't ever pass up on an opportunity to, to, to let someone know that Jesus loves them, that Christ died for them, that God has a plan for their life. I shared that with Alan. Remember, the message is glorious and grand and great, but when you obey the message, it's also gratifying. So where did the disciples' joy come from? Connection to Jesus, the transmission of the gospel, and the third one is this, the destruction of strongholds. They took great joy in people being set free. Jesus even says, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. One of the great joys, by the way, of being a pastor is to see people encounter Jesus and be set free from sin from spiritual shackles and strongholds. I've seen men and women lay down significant, even lifelong sinful behavior because they've encountered Jesus Christ. And Jesus tells the disciples in verse 18 that he saw Satan cast down from heaven like lightning, which, by the way, is one of the cooler verses in the Bible. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that a little event? Uh, that, that'd be pretty awesome to see. Jesus is demonstrating a few things for the disciple in that moment. One, he's demonstrating his preexistence. Jesus is and forever will be the firstborn among creation. He is preexistent. He is preeminent. Jesus has witnessed things with his eyes that we have never witnessed with ours. Namely, that being G uh, of Satan being tossed down to earth like lightning. But not only is he demonstrating his pre-existence, he's also demonstrating his power. Many of you were a part of a little storm that kind of blew through here yesterday. Y'all remember that storm? Real quick. Did anybody see any lightning? I saw some lightning pop. Just a couple. How quick is lightning, by the way? It's fast, man. Lightning's quick. You blink, you miss it. How powerful is lightning? It's powerful. It'll split trees, blow holes in houses. If it hits you, it'll raise your hair. <laughs> Lightning's powerful. See, Jesus is letting these disciples know, listen, I saw Satan being thrown down like lightning from heaven. Jesus is saying, listen, I was there, which means you weren't, which means I pre-exist you. I'll, I will and forever will be. But not only that, I took this spiritual entity of Satan who is real and powerful, and I threw him down with sheer velocity and force. Jesus is saying, Satan has nothing on me. Satan cannot come to me and, and threaten me. 
And Jesus tells us as his disciples, listen, there's no need to fear. I have everything conquered. Friend, let me tell you, your sin cannot stand. It cannot stand against the might, power, and authority of Jesus Christ. It will not happen. Now, we have to turn that sin over, but your sin will not overcome Jesus. It won't. It just can't. I, I truly believe that Jesus is more powerful than any sin that, set, that, that Satan could ever put in your way. Oh, one of my favorite guys, he's no longer here. He moved to Texas. But I, he's given me permission to share his story. How many of you remember Alan May? Remember Alan May? Man, I love Alan May. That guy is awesome. But Alan May got real sick of drinking. He got real sick of that. Came into my office one day, sat down. And he said, Stuart, I've been an alcoholic like my whole life, my whole life. And he said, preacher, the, the, but, but God has gotten a hold of me. God's gotten a hold of me. And I'm really, I'm ready, I'm ready to, to let it go. Now, as a preacher, I hear people say stuff all the time that if they're willing, they're ready to let that sin go. And many times they're not willing or, or ready to let that sin go. But let me tell you something. Alan May was a real deal. He was not joking around. And boy, God stepped into that man's life and literally transformed him inside and out. And from that day forward, when Alan got serious about his sin, when he got serious about Jesus, guess what happened? Not another drink passed his lips. Not another drink. And friend, it's not always that easy. It's not always going to be a fun thing to go through. It wasn't fun for Alan but I promise you this, whatever sin you've got in your life, it cannot stand in the way of God. Again, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 8 and 9, Paul says these words. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will not boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ can rest upon me. Have you ever wondered why God allows you to go through these experiences that you go through, how, how these sins kind of come over your life? Well, sometimes I believe that God allows people to go through things so that you can understand them and so that you can meet someone else where they are, so that you can minister and love and help. doesn't mean you give a foothold to that sin. It means you let it go. But now you can understand where someone else is coming from, and you can identify with them. So where did the joy come from. It came from connection. It came through transmission. It came through the destruction of strongholds. And lastly, it comes through the affirmation of salvation. And Jesus tells disciples, listen guys, this is all great stuff, but you should really rejoice that your name is in the Lamb's book of life, that your name is written in heaven, that your salvation is real. Now this morning, I want to tackle a, an interesting subject with you. In this moment, Jesus confirms something very interesting to the, to the disciples. He says, listen, you are saved. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. This is a great confirmation, a great piece of assurance for them. But sadly, I meet people all the time who are not assured of their salvation. Is that something that you struggle with? Have you ever had those moments where you kind of scratch your head and think, man, I just don't know. I don't know if I really am saved. Well, brothers and sisters, I, I, let me, let me kind of give you a roadmap. 
Because I believe that, that the Lord doesn't want you walking around as a doubter. I believe he wants you to walk around feeling assured and at peace and confident in your salvation. Much in the same way that these disciples were at peace and confirmed and affirmed in their salvation. I also believe that if you know you're saved, you're going to have joy. If you will, you can open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. Great piece of scripture. Look at what John says. He says, by this we know... We can know that we abide in him and that he is in us because he has given us his spirit. We know. And we have seen and testified that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God what? Abides in him and he in God. We can know. So what is John saying? How do we know that we abide in Christ? Three really fast points. One is possession. One is possession. You can take this examination that John gives to the reader. First, you must possess the Spirit. Rather, by the way, you don't possess the Spirit. The Spirit possesses you. When you accept Christ, when you commit yourself to obeying Christ, the Spirit takes hold of your life. And as believers, we seem to focus a lot on satanic possession, not realizing that the Holy Spirit functions in the same way. The Holy Spirit possesses us. The Spirit wants to take possession of me and you. So what does that mean? It means possession is ownership. The Spirit calls the shots, gives the direction, and we listen to the Spirit. How do you know if you're possessed by the Spirit? How do you know if you're possessed by the Spirit? Well, one surefire way to know that you have the Spirit is that biblical texts begin to make sense to you. Biblical texts begin to make sense to you. Not every text is going to be clear, but all the important texts will be clear. And the Spirit translates what you read in the Bible so that you can understand it. Have you ever met a lost person who's trying to read the Bible and they're very confused and confounded by what it says? And for those of us that are believers, we read the Bible and think, what's so confusing? Why can't you get this? Well, the reason that they have trouble understanding is they're reading a spiritual book without a spirit. So if you can understand God's Word and apply that truth to your life, then guess what? The Spirit has taken possession of you. Another way that you can see that you've been possessed by the Spirit is that sin will be a turnoff to you. You will be turned off by sin. Much in the same way that rotten food will turn your stomach, sin will begin to sicken you. So ask yourself, do I possess the Spirit? Better question, does the Spirit possess me? So here's the second one. Not only do we know if, if we are abiding in Christ, if we have salvation through the possession of the Spirit, but again, John tells us that we have profession. We profess in 1 John chapter 4, verse 14, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and, God, and he in God. As a pastor, by the way, I'm thrilled that we've got so many diverse people in our congregation. Our church is a very diverse uh, a group of folks. We've got a lot of people that do a lot of different things. Scott Blair, is he in the house? I'm not sure if Scott Blair is here today. Scott Blair, he owns a, a tire repair business. So guess what Scott Blair likes to talk about? What's that? T thank you, not a hard question, tires. 
I said we were diverse. I didn't say we were very bright. Um, <laughs> James Councilman. James, in the house. James. Oh, man. James uh, owns a large uh, automobile recycling facility, car parts and things like that. Do you know what James likes to talk about? Cars? Auto parts? Yeah. Very good. We're catching on. Richie Parsons. Where's Richie at? He's somewhere around. Richie Parsons, where are you? Hey, Doc. Man, I love that guy. He is a, uh, he's a dentist. He's a dentist. Do you know what Richie Parsons likes to talk about? Fishing. He loves to talk about fishing. <laughs> he really does. Boy, get him going on fishing. My goodness. He will, he will really go. That's exactly right. No, he does. He likes to talk teeth. Uh, and, and we do talk a lot about uh, his disappointment in my teeth generally whenever I go see him. <laughs> but if you listen close enough to people, you can really discover quite easily what their passion is. So my question to you today is this, what do you talk about? What do you talk about? So you could ask, well, Stuart, what do you do? Well, I'm a preacher. What do you like to talk about? Well, I hope it's Jesus. I really do like to talk about Jesus. I also like to talk about my church, Right? Tires, teeth, car parts are great. But I, I agree. I, I think all three of these guys would agree. Scott, James, and, and Dr. Parsons, they would all agree that Jesus is a lot better. And they also talk about Jesus. John tells us that we should be talking and testifying about Christ. If you want assurance of your salvation, what do you talk about? So here's the last one. We have progression progression. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. We know that the Spirit lives in us if it possesses us, if we talk about Him, and if we begin making progress in our faith. If we confess Christ, then we should be progressing in our faith. We should be wanting to do more of prayer, we should want to be doing more of serving. We should want to worship. We should want to read our Bibles more. Our growth should be measured in our actions, in our words, in how we see the world, in how we see the church. Friends, your, your faith should be stronger today, more stronger today than it was 10 years ago. Is your faith stronger, more uh, strengthened today than it was 10 years ago? You should be able to know if you're growing. If you took that test, and I hope that you did, I hope that you found assurance of your salvation. Jesus, sadly, is not going to speak audibly to us the way that he did the disciples, but he speaks through his word, doesn't he? He can give us that assurance through his word. Remember today that there is great joy in knowing Jesus. Oh, friends, I hope that you do. Obeying Jesus is the best road for the believer. Are you missing joy this morning? Why not invite Christ to be the shepherd of your life to present to you peace and joy that is unmatched? This last point right here. Are you missing joy? Answer Jesus' call today. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, we come before you. We want to thank you that you offer us joy through Christ. Joy is not found in any other place but through the connection to Jesus. Lord, help us to be good transmitters, good radios, and share that message everywhere that we go. 
Lord, I pray that you will give those of us who struggle sometimes with the assurance of our salvation, Lord, that you'll give us the peace and knowledge that we are growing. But Lord, maybe there's a person in here today that is missing out on joy because they're missing out on you. And Lord, maybe today they would be willing to come, step forward and say, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. Oh Lord, may it be so. Lord, thank you for the time of worship. Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast, and we hope to see you again on Sunday morning. Of course, you can also watch our services live on YouTube. Simply search Eastern Shore Baptist Church on YouTube, and at 10.05, our broadcast starts. We hope to see you soon. God bless you. And again, visit our website, www.myesbc.net. God bless you. And we'll see you next week.